Ray, Finn, Kylo. Do you remember where you were when you first heard those names? The Force Awakens opened to rave reviews in 2015 and introduced a whole new audience to a galaxy far, far away. It's the start of the sequel trilogy, and even though we don't know how it all ends, we're excited to talk about it right now. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I am your host, Caitlin, and we've made it. We have made it <laughs> to The Force Awakens. I I cannot believe it. I, I really <laughs> Me neither. Like, we started hashtag Sky Talkers Machete back this summer in July. Yeah, I just remember talking about it in like May and planning it and planning it all out. And it's like, what? How how are we finally finished? It yeah. felt like this dragged on for a really long time too. But like at the same time, I can't believe that we're done. <laughs> so I know. it's very odd. I know. We finished it a lot later than I think we intended because we had some episodes in the middle with like Leia, Princess of Alderaan and of course like the trailer reaction and things like that. But it's it's kind of fitting because now we're just like a couple of episodes out from The Last Jedi. Yeah, it's crazy. What? Like I was, I know, I was planning our episodes and we're taking, a, just full disclosure, we're taking a break the week of American Thanksgiving. And we, so that means we only have three like main Skytalker shows until The Last Jedi. And it's like, Wait, what? Yeah. We're so close. It's sneaking up on us. And this is like the height of being a Star Wars fan is the next six weeks. Yeah. And it's intensifying. And it all boils down to this. Wow. And then even Rebels has started. It's just like I feel like so much Star Wars right now. And I love it, but I'm also kind of stressed out by it. Yeah, same. (laughs) But speaking of Rebels, we have started our... Rebels Reaction Podcast called Fulcrum Files, which you can find on our feed if you haven't checked it out. Um, If you are just catching up to Rebels this fourth and final season, you can go back and listen to all those. By now, we'll have two episodes up. So, yay! Yeah. (laughs) It's really fun. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, even though it's only been one episode. That episode has been a lot of fun. Um, But if you have been following along with our Stars of Star Wars series, which Charlotte and I have not been the best at keeping up with ourselves, um, but basically every Star Wars movie in the Sky Talkers machete, we highlight one of the stars. So Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Hayden Christensen, you get the picture. And we will review one of the movies that those stars have done outside of Star Wars. And I bet you all have been on the edge of your seat to guess who we were going to pick for The Force Awakens to highlight. And surprise, surprise, it's not one of the actors at all, but Mr. J.J. Abrams himself. And we are stepping off the Millennium Falcon and on to the USS Enterprise for our movie review (laughs) for The Force Awakens. So you guys can head over to our Twitter and vote for the Star Trek movie from 2009 for us to review or its sequel, Star Trek Into Darkness. Whoa. Are you guys, are you, is your mind blown that Sky Talkers is going to like review Star Trek? I'm like, not just like any Star Trek, like the new Star Trek. So yeah, like, like, get JJ ready. Abrams Star Trek. 
Yeah, so go vote for that right now. Um, I've I'm actually been like waiting, waiting for this moment to be like, we're reviewing Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, this was like always part of our plan when we yeah. started the Machete series. Like I said, when we talked about it in May, we were like, wouldn't it be crazy if we talked about Star Trek? Did Star Trek, like, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so go vote. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Yes, but anyway... We are here for The Force Awakens, and I'm really excited to talk about it just because, you know, this movie has, it's been on a lot of people's minds recently. I've never really stopped thinking about this movie since it's come up. Mm -hmm. It's come out in 2015, and every time I watch it, I swear I get a different reading every single time. (laughs) So I'm excited to talk about all those things. Oh my gosh. so in our usual order that we do in our Sky Talkers Machete series, we're going to follow the same thing. In part one, we're going to talk about story. Part two is going to be all about the characters. And in part three is our catch-all where we talk about the machete order itself and we answer a ton of Twitter questions. So without further ado, let's get started. Who are you? I'm no one. I was raised to do one thing. But I've got nothing to fight for. Nothing will stand in our way. I will finish what you started. There are stories about what happened. It's true. dark side. A Jedi. They're real. The Force. It's calling to you. Welcome to part one, where we're going to talk about the story. So, Caitlin, coming off of Return of the Jedi, does the transition work with the Machete Order? Let's get right into the heart of it. Yeah, we're diving in. <laughs> um, actually, yes, and I'll tell you why. Because whoa, whoa, I know, I know, I know, I know you were not expecting that at all, were you? No, um, no. And it's because we put Phantom Menace at the front that I think it works a lot better, actually. 
Um, because when you and I first marathon, like hardcore marathon machete order, like started at 1030, don't get off the couch until like 1 a.m., um, we didn't have Phantom Menace in, and there is like a weird video or something of us reviewing Machete Order then that I don't think has ever been put on the internet. But <laughs> we were talking about the transition from Return of the Jedi to Force Awakens, and we talked about how stark it was, and like how not stark, that's the wrong word, but how weird, like it was a noticeable split from jarring Return of the Jedi. is yeah, the jarring. word that we used. Jarring, exactly. But with the transition from Phantom Menace to A New Hope, it's kind of similar. Like, you have these big gaps of time, and you have these characters that you recognize, like Obi-Wan from Phantom Menace to A New Hope, but you're unsure of, like, how much time has passed and, like, what exactly is going on. And so it's similar. Like, you have a similar setup when you transition into The Force Awakens, and the first, like, character you see is Han, and you're like whoa, huh, you got old, like, what happened? (laughs) Um, And it's very similar to how we react to Obi-Wan in uh, A New Hope coming out of The Phantom Menace. So I actually think that is, like, a cool parallel with the Skytalkers machete with having The Phantom Menace at the front. I kind of agree, but I'm kind of somewhere in between because I still think it's quite jarring, um, but I kind of see the nuance of it now. Mm -hmm. Now that we put... The Phantom Menace ahead. Um, I noted that it's not thirty until thirty minutes in when you see the Falcon, and I feel like that's really the connective tissue between this and Return of the Jedi. And I because okay, well we get Leia's name gets thrown around a lot, right? But we don't see her until like very late in the film. Yeah, and it's it's not until you see the Falcon that you're like, oh, this movie fits in with the large scheme of the saga, in my opinion, because it's like we're introduced to these new characters and we, I mean, I immediately care about every single one of these characters. I think that this is, we'll get into that when we talk about, when we go into our character section, but I do think that the transition is still quite jarring. And that all has to do with the fact that we don't have the sequel to this and the sequel to that. Mm -hmm. Because, and I just think that on its own, it just feels so different. And that's just kind of the nature of the film right now, I think. Yeah, that it's incomplete. Yeah, and to your point, that kind of, it's just, it's part of how we look at the Phantom Menace with our Skytalkers machete order by putting the Phantom Menace in the front of this watching order. Um, I think that it's pretty similar, like you said, um, but I'm so curious to see how this all plays out when we get The Last Jedi Mm -hmm. and Episode 9, because I really think that maybe we'll have to, like, scramble things or, like, maybe the flashback sequence will have to move. Like, who knows? Yeah, that's what I've been thinking about. I'm like, what happens to Machete Order once the sequel trilogy is complete? Uh, And you're right. I think it is still really jarring coming into The Force Awakens out of Return of the Jedi because even with A New Hope, it's like you don't see Obi-Wan Kenobi until pretty, not like probably around the same timestamp that we see the Falcon. Um, But you have C-3PO and R2-D2 at the start of A New Hope. And you're on Tatooine, which is the same place we left in The Phantom Menace. So that kind of helps you. And then it's kind of like a trick that you're on Jakku and not Tatooine. 
<laughs> exactly. And it like plays with your head yeah, in a way that does. in itself is jarring. Yeah. Because it's like it's the familiar, but it's like completely unfamiliar. Yeah. So I mean I do and, think the Phantom Menace to A New Hope works better, but it's it's kind of a similar setup with Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens that works better for me now than it did the first time we did this marathon. Totally. And it's I, I completely agree. I do think that there's something really awesome about, and we talked about this in our Return of the Jedi episode, so if you're listening to this in a stream, whatever. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, sorry. But, like, I I think there's something really awesome about how we end uh, with Return of the Jedi, like, in a celebratory, like, the Empire is dead type situation, and we enter with this new threat and how much time has passed, but the still, still our heroes are kind of at the core of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there's something just so cool about that and about like history and the passage of time. Um, I'm still kind of wrapping my mind around that, but from a story standpoint, I think it's super bold that they were able to pull this off to the point where I like completely buy it and completely interested and am completely interested. I don't know. Yeah. No, I I, I don't know. I agree. Cause that's not, I mean, that's not how it works with, like, if you're watching it one through six, that's not really how it works. But, like, with Sky Talker's Machete, Phantom Menace is the same thing. It ends on celebration, just like Return of the Jedi does. And then you pick up in A New Hope in The Force Awakens in, a like, a, a space, not a space battle, but you pick up in space with an attack happening. Yeah. So, yeah, but I get what you're saying. Like, this passage of time in history is something that's so relevant in Star Wars and is is really cool and i think machete order kind of how whatever machete order you choose to do really highlights that so let's talk about the structure of this story so in our revenge of the sith episode we talked about how it's like very divisive personally to me i don't think this movie is as segmented as any other star wars films only because the pacing is so fast Mm mm-hmm um, what do you think? We go through a lot in this movie. And there's a yeah. lot of there's a lot more back and forth with the First Order and Kylo than there ever was with the Empire, I think. That's true. I, I think so too. I still think that like just like other movies, like you don't you're not getting the full picture of the political like just like the original trilogy, you're not getting the full picture of like the political spectrum and like what's going on. Like you were with that, you you don't understand like really what's going on with the Empire or the First Order in this movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that like I was very distraught about my first viewing <laughs> of this film. I was yeah. like, I don't <laughs> understand where we are that was, in like, the grand scheme the of things. Biggest takeaway Charlotte had from our first viewing of the movie <laughs> was like. What are the politics? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Well, like, they drop you. just, like, bawling over Luke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, like, they drop you in this movie, and you're just supposed to accept all these things that have happened with, like, zero backstory about the politics. Uh, they're trusting the audience, Charlotte, to put I agree. together. <laughs> I agree, and I think it's fine. But the first time I saw this movie, after like growing up with the prequels i felt a little like where's my politics which is hilarious <laughs> yeah no it's really funny it was like i can't believe i'm saying this but where are the politics <laughs> it's, it's honestly like wait what yeah and it, i mean now we take it a little bit for granted because we have all these like extreme backstory novels and like yeah. we kind of understand what's going on and like how the first not, order like, the average movie goer doesn't 
No. <laughs> so they're probably like, this is the same thing. Wait, the battle like is still happening? I thought they blew up the second Death Star. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, we done. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I, I get it. And like, personally, I was a little confused. <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> that's okay. I'm okay being confused. Yeah, it's so weird having this movie just because it's the trilogy is incomplete. And yeah. there's still so many things that could be explained and questions that will be answered and things that will make sense in The Force Awakens once we see the completed trilogy. And we just don't have it yet. And it makes talking about this movie so hard because everything, yeah. a lot of it is speculation about how storylines will be wrapped up in the future. And yeah. we haven't had that for like since for 10 <laughs> years. Like, and, and even with the prequels, it's like you knew – Anakin turns to the dark side. Like, you don't know how he got there, but, like, you know that eventually he's going to go to the dark side. Yeah, and that Padme was going to die because Leia said that in yeah. Return of the Jedi. Like, you know what's going to happen, yeah. essentially. And this is there was an end point. Yeah, there's no end point. Different. Yeah, there's yeah. no idea. No, nothing. It's darkness. <laughs> it's darkness. One thing I really liked about the start of this movie, and I'll probably say this a hundred times in this episode, but for every critique I could ever have of The Force Awakens, like nothing will ever top the experience of seeing The Force Awakens. And I agree. Like, and I, I, I do wonder if the experience of us, like, from a personal standpoint, like, I'm going to get, like, serious on this podcast, but, like, we've been podcasting for almost a year now, right? And it's, like, it's been an incredible experience. And, like, I do wonder if the experience of seeing this movie as a podcaster very involved in the fandom and, like, have been talking and preparing about this, like, publicly for a really long time will affect my experience in December in a super positive way. And I just, like, I wonder if it's going to top my 2015 experience but you personally yeah. like I interrupted you and I'm sorry no that's but okay it was, I was just having a moment and you like dashed in it's no, please have your I'm moment kidding. go I'm back kidding. to your moment <laughs> I'm kidding. um as as many of you know I started I Charlotte introduced me to Star Wars once in 2006 or like the end of 2005 so after everything was all said and done of course I like jumped in then so it's like Star Wars has never been a question like I've already like I've known how everything has ended up even before I became like when I became a fan and then I never really got the full theater experience like I saw the Phantom Menace in theaters in college when they right before the Disney purchase but it was a really sad viewing and uh (laughs) There, like no cheering, no cheering. Literally, the teller laughed at me when I said I was there for the Phantom Menace midnight premiere, and that I had like pre-purchased my tickets. <laughs> and the, it's like literally so sad. It was, it was really sad. I think there were like five other people in the theater. Like it was rough. Um, and honestly, I don't remember watching the movie. I I remember like walking into the into the movie and like sitting down and being like oh my god, Star Wars is dead. Like, <laughs> this is awful. Oh. Um, that was like, it's actually crazy that you had that experience and that thought just like, was it like a month before the Disney purchase? Yeah. It was really yeah, close. It was really close. Um, I wish, I wish Charlotte had your like, I wish you had your phone from that time period with that voicemail still on it of me being like, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> Next time I'm home, I'll fish my yeah. drawers and try to find it. That would be, that would be gold. Um, yeah. But so like, I will, like that moment of seeing a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away at The Force Awakens is just like, 
oh, I was like, this is it. This is it. And like watching that ship, this the Star Destroyer going across the planet and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And it was like the shadow on the, the night sky of the galaxy. It just, oh my God. Like, I was obsessed. <laughs> I was like, this is I everything think, I've ever wanted. Yeah, it, they totally delivered with that first shot. They like, did. I remember us talking about it afterwards and you being like immediately slightly disappointed that it wasn't as epic as you thought. And then you were like, whoa, this is so big. And I think it like totally works. And yeah, I know you're you agree with me, too. Yeah. Like, I I think even just just seeing the shadow of the ship, too, is like so powerful. And I, I love it. And it just keeps getting bigger. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Palpatine's office. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, okay, we're going to get into the plot points, but like even just starting with Kylo Ren, just like being super evil on Jakku mm-hmm. and Poe showing so much compassion, I think, and like being so snarky. It was, I remember being in the theater like, oh my God, we're in for a treat. This is so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, um, for one thing, I love how this movie starts at nighttime. Like, we don't get a lot of nighttime in Star Wars. Like, we see it kind of intermittently, but never, like, something like this, like a full-on battle at night. Um, That's true. Yeah, which true. we also we also get it later on with Kylo and Rey at the end of the movie. But, like, seeing nighttime was just, like, so new for Star Wars. And there's that music cue when Poe is, like, running to his X-Wing for the first time. And you hear, like, the violins. And then he realizes that, like, he's going to go back in the fight. And that was, like, the moment that I was like, this is, yes, Star Wars. <laughs> and I was like, the music, the lighting, like this character, I don't even know, but I love him already. Like it sold me immediately. I, this will never not be amazing. And still, even t- every time I watch this movie and like those, that first like four minutes, I'm just reminded again and again how great that experience was of seeing it in the theater for the first time. Me too. It, it's it was remarkable. I remember because I had. I mean, I don't want to dwell too much about our first experience, but I think it's worth talking about. Um, I I was dressed up as Ray and I had my hair like in those three buns, and I so I couldn't like fully sit back. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, but like that kind of like signifies like I was on the edge of my seat the entire time, and it was fine that I had that hairstyle and couldn't fully sit. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. Um. It's it's just like. It's fun. Yeah. I, um, I, so there is a lull in this movie in terms of pacing. <laughs> Which also led back to our first experience of this movie. <laughs> Your first experience you didn't leave for I, it. The second time yeah, we did. No. Time. Okay. So <laughs> this is what we call like, again, getting very real on this podcast. Like <laughs> the perfect time for a bathroom break is when Ray is fleeing Maz's castle. <laughs> and every time I saw The Force Awakens, this is when I went to the bathroom. <laughs> like, without fail, she like finishes talking to Maz and runs out of the castle and I too run out of the theater to the bathroom. <laughs> it's, it's just like, I don't know, even last night when I was watching it, my eyelids were getting so heavy in that mm-hmm. point. And I was like, why? This is actually a good moment as a character. It is. Why do I feel like this? It is. It's like weird because you have it's like it's like they're setting up for the battle that's about to start, you know, and and then like we have to it's like when the first order is, you know, Hux is giving his speech and they blow up the system with the Republic on it. 
And it's like, yeah. and then you have the moment with Kylo, or not with Kylo, with Han and Finn, where Finn is like, it's the it's the First Order. Where's Rey? And then and then everything picks up again. But you have this like yeah. weird three to five minutes of it's it's weirdly calm and kind of slow, given how fast paced the rest of the movie is. And like that kind of just leads me to talk about how I personally think that this movie has this like the strongest part of this movie is the first third. And I think that the pacing is right. The setting up the characters is perfect. And mm-hmm. um, I think it may be with, throughout the entire Star Wars saga, it's the strongest beginning that we've ever seen. It's like, and maybe that has something to do with it's technically a, it's, quote, you, m- modern film. What what were we going to say? stronger than the start of Return of the Jedi on with Han's rescue? Yeah, I do. I th- also think that part is can be a little slow. And I, I think wow. this is, like, very, very – it's just gripping. Every single, you know, small moment is interesting. Yeah, it's it's a different kind of gripping because, like, with Return of the Jedi, you're, like, returning – you're returning back to these characters and catching up on where they've been for a certain period of time. Whereas with, but you know them, you know who Luke and Leia and Han are and you know where you last left them. But with this movie, everything is completely brand new. And like you said, we don't really see something super familiar until we get to the Millennium Falcon. And like Jakku is familiar, but it's not Tatooine. And once you figure figure out that it's not Tatooine, it's kind of like, uh, why is it a desert planet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some choices in the script that I'm just like, I hope that they wrap that up. Or why mm. is that there? It's it just, mm, yeah, interesting choices that are I can only describe as like a JJism. Yeah, it's it's weird because there are a lot of like really heavy nostalgia callbacks that when you see The Force Awakens for the first time, you're just so excited that you recognize it. And you're like, oh, that's the trading ball from, you know, from A New Hope. And, like, there's the game. And, oh, my gosh. Da, 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 da. And, like, he asked about the trash compactor. That's so cool. But on repeated viewings, you're like, you know, it, it, like, kind of pulls you out of it. Because you know that they're putting that in there as a specific callback to A New Hope. Totally. You know? And it's th- like There's I, a lot I, of I, it in this movie. Yeah. And I think it, it does kind of detract from what's going on like and it's it's really frustrating like the when the the one that gets me because I, I personally think the garbage will do is perfect and I think that like that's not even really a fan servicey moment where mm-hmm. I just think it works like from a story story perspective too yeah and that's that's why it's a successful moment yeah but like Finn holding the training balls and then like accidentally turning on the yeah. the table like just for like too long it's just a little much it's a little much and it 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 it's like hey it's Star Wars hey audience <laughs> it's Star Wars. <laughs> My favorite moment, though, that is still a little gimmicky is when Ray first meets BB-8 and she is fixing his antenna and she's like, oh, where do you come from? And he beeps and bobbles and she's like, oh, classified. Hmm, me too. Big secret. And it's like, yes. So meta. <laughs> I so still meta. kind of chuckle every time I hear it. But yeah, like you said, there's moments with Finn and the trash compactor moment i'm just like it's it's a little too on the nose and it doesn't age well for this movie 
yeah. with repeated viewings of The Force Awakens. Um, and I, I still get frustrated that Jakku is a desert planet. And maybe there's a reason for that that we just don't know yet. Um, but allegedly from certain books that I have not read, but apparently J- something about Jakku is special with the Force. And I feel like we're going to find out what it is. Like, yeah, but- obviously, Laura Santeca's there, yeah. but, like, what's the deal? And why couldn't that have been Tatooine? And what? I think that's really the big question. Why did it, why did, like, Jakku could have been special if it was a rainforest planet. It still could have had this mystical attachment to the Force or whatever it is. Why did it have to be a desert planet? Like, could you imagine if we had had those Star Detroit Star Destroyers and AT-ATs, like, all wrapped up in, like, vines and these, like, crazy exotic flowers, and it was, like, raining all the time. Like, that would have been really cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's just... Anyway. The, yeah, that's the one thing I'm, like... Because Maz's Castle, I love. I love that set. Um, I love... I, obviously, we're, we're, not, we're really not going to talk about how Starkiller Base is, like, a, a, a 18th Death Star. Um <laughs> That's just everyone's talking about it. We know it's it's another Death Star, um, but like the forest fight with the snow, like I think that's so cool. It's visually amazing. But Jakku, I'm just like, why is it a desert planet? There's I know. so much in Star Wars we could explore and create. Why are we doing it again? The reason I think it's a desert planet, like just to play devil's advocate, is just kind of because desert like exteriors are you know, symbols of, like, really hard life, and they wanted to show, you know, Ray having this, like, very weathered, old, tough life that you get from a desert planet. But that being said, it could have been, like, a tundra, like an Arctic desert or something that was, like, very hard and very tough, and I don't know. I feel like they, they will find out more, and I feel yeah. like it's it's tough to criticize it now, but from a story perspective, it seems odd and kind of a missed opportunity that Jakku isn't tattooing. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you're going to make a desert planet, make it tattooing. That's all you got to do. Not, you know, it just kind of connects everything together a little bit better. Yeah. But that being said, <laughs> I think that we should move on to characters. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Let's let's move on. Okay. They're like knights in space. In the future. But it's a long time ago. You got the best Jedi in the whole universe. Guess what? Started out as a farm boy. Really? The Force. It's all around us. It binds us together. Guides our actions. Helps us do yoga. And why doesn't the princess just let the boys rescue her? Because she's a modern and empowered woman and fettered by the antiquated gender roles of a bygone era. Yeah. Han Solo. He's a good-looking bad boy. Like your pup. Jedi? They're just wise old men who like to be comfortable, so they wear robes. This is Red 2. Come in, Red Leader. Red Leader's standing by. A true master, yet only two feet tall. A lesson in this there is. The best place in the galaxy for everything Star Wars. Walmart. All right. Here we are, part two. <laughs> characters. Charlotte wasn't even, you were just like, part two, we're going. Characters. <laughs> so who, what character sticks with you the most in in this particular viewing of The Force Awakens? Finn. 
Finn, 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 Finn. I think Finn has a really awesome story and deals with so much in this movie. And I feel like it just gets overlooked in the complex conversation of Ray, who is an amazing character. Mm-hmm. Every it, it goes without saying that every single character in this film is awesome and like completely set so up super layered, well. Yeah, yeah, very layered. I mean, like maybe with the exception of Phasma, cough. <laughs> Main characters, amazing. And I that think... Count Finn, as a character. <laughs> Finn, to me, has such an interesting struggle. I mean, he was raised in the first order, for, first order and, like, chose to leave, doesn't really have, like, a place of belonging, and really helps Ray kind of find a little bit of confidence. Like, the fact that she... When Finn comes back for her in in the Starkiller base, like, that moment is so amazing to me because mm-hmm. it means so much for so many uh, for so many reasons. First, I, can you believe that Finn, like, went back to where he escaped from, which is, like, incredibly brave, right? Leia yeah. says it. It's true. And then Ray, finally, someone came back for her, and she's, like, completely overwhelmed. And it just, yeah. like, it breaks my heart for both these two characters who are just risking so much. And I just, like, I, I love them so much. And I just really hope that Finn's story of, like, his conflict and trying to find his place in the resistance and, like, whether he actually belongs in the resistance or, like, if he kind of goes on a personal mission to find, like, who his parents are and why he was taken, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I hope that we get some sort of story there because there's really so much there. Good. Yes. Agreed. (laughs) No, I think you're right. Finn always stands out for me. And I feel like when I'm not watching The Force Awakens, I'm obsessing over Rey and Kylo. But when I'm watching it, I am so obsessed with Finn. And I don't understand why that is. (laughs) But you're right. Like he is, he's such a layered character. And the things that he goes through for Rey it's just incredible. And I mean, that scene when they're in Maz's castle and they're standing on the steps and Ray is like, why are you doing this? And he like admits to her that he's not a resistance order. And he's like, I ran away from the only thing I'd ever known straight into you. And that, and you looked at me like no one else ever had before. And my heart just breaks. It's like so sad. It's and like, so true. I become it's such a Finn Ray shipper I know, when me I watch too. this movie. Yeah. I remember... <laughs> Even the first time when I watched this movie, I, I, like, turned to you afterwards and I was like, I ship it. Do you remember that conversation, like, when, when the credits rolled and I was like, I ship it. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. Yeah, and, it's like, just, it's so special. Like, these people who have had no, like, relationships their whole life and... Like, compassion. It's just, yeah. it's, like, between the two of them... They're so compassionate, even though they don't need to be. Yeah. It's just like, it's really the definition of a hero. And it's just so awesome. It's so immediate, too. And what's interesting, though, about Finn is that I feel like for Finn, it is that level of compassion is reserved for Rey. And Mm -hmm. uh, whereas with Rey, I think, and we've seen this throughout like Forces of Destiny, and I think also in the film, too, that her compassion is really for anyone who needs help that she comes across, you know, Mm -hmm. whereas for Finn, he was just ready to leave the resistance immediately. But it was once he found out that Ray was in trouble that he went after her um, because he felt such a strong connection to her. So it'll be interesting to see in The Last Jedi how that changes and how he starts to have his own identity 
away from Ray. Right. And, like, even what what is his relationship going to look like with Rose? And yeah. what does Rose bring to the table in terms of his own story? Like, I'm very, yeah. very, very intrigued. Yeah. It's like Finn almost has so much more, not to prove, but to decide, like, what his place is in the galaxy now that Ray is gone. Like, she's not mm-hmm. really even an option for him to, like, go on an adventure with or be with. Um, he probably doesn't really know where she is, and he probably can't have contact with her either, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, so, like, getting over that and, like, having to, like, grapple with the events that happened in The Force Awakens by himself. Because now Han is gone and Rey is gone. And he Completely. wakes up with this huge injury. <laughs> you know? That's got to be crazy. I know. And I, I just, like, I'm so hopeful that we get that sort of conflict yeah. with him in the next film. And yeah. I mean, obviously, like, we've, I've talked about how, like, I really want <laughs> The Last Jedi to be, like, centered on Rey, Luke, and Kylo. And, like, it's true, I do. But I really don't want Finn to be lost in the fray. Because, yeah, I hope not. And I mean, it goes without saying, but, like, the reason why, another huge reason why Finn is an amazing character is because John Boyega is, like, so likable. The best. And, yeah, he's the best. And, like, why not use John Boyega to his full potential when you have John Boyega just, like, killing it? (laughs) So Who's ready to be Finn. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I just remember him on, I forget what talk show it was, but they were talking about how Ray got to keep her, uh, Daisy got to keep her British accent, but Finn had, or John had to lose his. And he was like, it just doesn't work when you're British. It's like, yeah, I'm a stormtrooper. <laughs> I'm here to rescue. And he, like, did this, like, really intense British accent. And he's like, they didn't like it, so we went American. <laughs> it's just a hilarious interview. But, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like, I I think that Last Jedi will be predominantly about Ray, Kylo, and Luke. But... I really need me a good dose of Finn in this movie, too. And I I want to see Finn and Ray together again. Like, what, you know, if, like, let's pretend that Ray turns the dark side at the end of this movie or something, like, crazy happens to her. How is Finn going to react once he finds out about it? Yeah, I don't you know. know. Or, or or if you get, like, that, fit, that Ray and Kylo team up, you know, if that ends up being a thing, how is Finn going to react to that? Yeah. Um it's it's crazy. It'll be I'm so excited to see his chemistry with Kelly Marie Tran. Uh because I they just look like they are best friends. They probably had the best time filming and she's got a lot to live up to with Daisy and John <laughs> from The Force Awakens cuz they killed it. I know. And she's she's an angel though, so I cannot she wait is. to see her. I'm I know. Saying. It's it's going to be great. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about Ray. Um, we've talked about a lot about Ray on this show before about how, you know, I just, I feel like we're just so lucky to have Ray as a character and, but like something I wanted to talk about and have I mentioned this on the show before? If I have, I apologize, but I just like find it so awesome how that beginning scene when we're first introduced to Ray, um, we were not really supposed to know who she is. We just see her, her mask face, no music behind her. Um, and she's just grabbing that like thing from inside the Star Destroyer. And I think it's just so awesome, you know, character wise, when she takes off her mask and it's revealed that she's a girl and she's like, you know, the, this like intense 
climber, this intense scavenger. Like, we don't really know who she is at all, but when we, she reveals that, like, she's this, you know, almost, like, soft-looking girl, it's just so awesome. And, like, mm-hmm. I, you can't help but, like, I remember, like, tearing up at that intro in the beginning of watching it because I was like, oh, my God, we're here. We have this awesome character, and I cannot wait to see more. Yeah. I just, like, I'm always struck by that. And I just love that they, like, got rid of the music cue. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember David Collins talking about this a while ago, but in the beginning of Ray's introduction, they got rid of that music cue until she reveals her face. And I just think it's just so yeah. mysterious and awesome. That's what I was going to say, too. That's my favorite part about that scene is that the music doesn't start until she takes off the mask because that is Ray's theme. And it's such... Like, if you listen to that whole, like, the concert piece of her theme, it goes through all of these bits and pieces of really lightheartedness of femininity, but then it also has these really dark undertones in it, mm-hmm. and I think it's I think it's going to be really representative of the journey she'll go on, but it's not yeah. until her face is unveiled that we see it, and it's like this, this music, this piece of music is Ray. Completely, and it's like, to me, I, it's, from a symbolic standpoint, it's like, before The Force Awakens, she lived her life. That quote that was in the trailer, who are you? And she goes, I'm no one, right? I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's not in the movie, but, like, it's in our collective consciousness as a Star Wars fan, right? Ray thinking yeah. of herself as nobody. Yeah. And it's not until uh, before the, that music cue starts, she is nobody. And then when she takes off that mask, she has this, like, amazing start to the beginning of her you know, story arc in... Star Wars and it's just like I don't think I'm getting that across because I like feel very passionately about this but like mm-hmm. she's not no one she is important and I I love that I do too I think man Ray <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of emotions about Ray lately there's I really like, do <laughs> there's not even a good way to talk about her because there's just so much and she just represents such an important part of star wars as a franchise in the real world Mm -hmm, Uh, completely and like even just like building up her character i my one of my favorite moments also is when she's scrubbing that thing (laughs) in the beginning (laughs) and she looks over at that like old lady and she's just kind of like that can't be me yeah and it's like you know so much about her character from that like daydreaming moment Mm -hmm. and I mean it's like what like 10 seconds of her looking at this old lady yeah and it's it just tells you everything you need to know about how she's stuck and Daisy really sells those moments on her face like you read into everything she's thinking and feeling like when she's at her home in the 1818 she's got the the rebel um helmet on oh my god that's the best part it is so good it's so good when they're going to maz's castle and she's just awestruck by all of the green like she Mm -hmm. like you just read those emotions and those feelings and you understand that her life has been one of isolation and loneliness and anticipation as well you know totally like in the script when she puts on her helmet it says she just puts it on just cause and I just like I love that we have characters who just do stuff just cause and like she can be you know this strong I hate I kind of hate this word these wordings now like strong female character she can be she can be like this like strong badass who can like take down whoever she wants with her staff um 
but like also she has like a doll at home Mm -hmm. and she makes herself dinner and she puts on a helmet that she found and smiles like just cuz i just love it she's she's everything i wanted in like a new star wars character yeah it's one of the things that connected people with star wars in the very beginning was that it was so familiar even though it was this weird galaxy and like even with luke it it was like he just wanted to like go to college you know like that's effectively what he wanted to do and like everyone can relate to that you know um and ray i think is like that too it's like you know she's destined for something bigger and i think all of us hope that we're destined for something bigger too you know what i mean like this Mm -hmm. idea that adventure could knock on your door at any given moment is really is like really tantalizing and is totally a really fun thing for your imagination and star wars is the embodiment of that i think for a lot of us completely and i'm just maybe we should move on to (laughs) kylo because like i am just like getting very overwhelmed talking about (laughs) (laughs) ray i did have an interesting um can we talk about maz's castle though as like a segue to talking about kylo and ray's vision yes what do you tell me what's going on in the vision I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I I have no idea either. Well, we have a podcast where I talk about how I think it's a shared vision between Kylo and Rey. I still kind of think that could happen. I think that's, I think that is a really, I love that theory. Um, And we talked about how that happens in Rebels with Ezra and Maul, how they have a shared vision over the holocron. Um, And even in Rey's vision, Kylo is the only one that looks directly at her, like at Ray, the grown-up Ray, and looks like he's like he sees her too. Yeah, he's that's that's the that's the crux of yeah, the shared vision it, theory. <laughs> I know it's just like it strikes me every time. I'm like, oh, he saw her. Like, whoa, yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> he like lunges towards her. It's odd. Yeah, and then then the scene goes away so fast. Yeah, and I think I was texting you about this a couple weeks ago, and I don't know if. We've ever talked about it on the show, but at the end, after she has the vision and Maz says, um, you know your family's never coming back, but there is still someone who could. And she says, Luke, Ray does, but we never see Maz's reaction. And part of me is like, I wonder if she meant Kylo. Like, maybe she means it's Kylo who could come back and Ray's going to be the one who leads to his redemption. Um, oh shoot! Because oh shoot! If, that's if, like the best theory I've ever heard. Like, you. oh my god, thank you. <laughs> no, I'm not even kidding. Like that line, there's still someone who could. Like Kylo could come back from the dark side. Oh yeah. my god! And like because of the vision, <laughs> and it's him looking at her and interacting with her. I don't know. It's like he's I'm freaking kind of, out. <laughs> we've talked about this before. <laughs> Are we having a moment where like I don't really notice things? <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> We've texted about this before. Yeah. I guess well, we have talked about it on the show, and maybe it was a while ago. But, yeah, because everyone is always like, yeah, it's Luke, and, like, that's her family, and she's going to bring him back. But I don't know. We don't really know the extent of Maz's connection with the Force or what she really does or doesn't know about Kylo, how she got Luke's lightsaber. There's so much up in the air, and I bet she knows a lot more than... Oh, I think she knows so much. Yeah. Yeah, I think she knows everything. What if it... Like, what if it's Kylo that's coming back? Um, And I... I mean, you know here on Sky Talkers, we're, like, huge Kylo Ren redemption supporters. And so, for me, it's, like... Who could come back? Come back from where? The dark side. Who's on the dark side? It's Kylo. <laughs> yep. 
And that's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that like maybe the continuation of this force back flashback, whatever. I don't, I don't know if I love the word force back anymore. Like now that I think about it, because it could be in the future. Yeah. Her vision. It's her vision. It's just like Anakin's vision in Revenge of the Sith. Like it's, it's her vision. Um, and is it in the future? Is it in the past? Like, who knows? She's so confused that like parts of it are in the past, but like, is that scene that we see at the end of the last Jedi trailer of the, you know, you know, the scene part of that vision, (laughs) you know, you can even look at it in from like a color standpoint. It looks very similar to that part where Luke touches R2. Uh, R2. That's and, definitely like, when the temple is burning. We see yeah. like that scene from another angle in the Last Jedi trailer. So then you just wonder, like, the, is the shared vision just continued? And I yeah. I think it is. And, like, how awesome would it be if that was their connection? I, I just think we're getting a yeah. little too speculative, but, like, I I am all about the shared vision. So. I think the shared vision is so cool. <laughs> and this idea that the... Like, it's always the question of, so if it, if these are all moments, like if you pretend that these moments are in the past or that Ray was present for all moments represented in her vision, right? So she was present when she got abandoned. She was present in the forest with Kylo at the end. And then you have this, this part in the middle where it's like her, where Luke is at the, presumably this place that got burned, the Jedi Temple is, you know, what people commonly say. So, like, was she there for that and it's just a memory that's gone? Or is it just something she's seeing in general? Because, you know, Anakin saw Padme. He saw the vision of Padme dying, but he wasn't actually there for that. True. Um, So I think that could be, like, the lightsaber just represents these moments that the lightsaber has been present for. Maybe not necessarily Rey. Although then it's like, okay, well, was the lightsaber there when Rey got abandoned? Exactly. So, like, it's just, it's a little confusing. Yeah, it is. But the thing that, like, I, every time I come up with a different theory about who Rey is and, like, where she comes from, etc., but this time I was kind of struck by the idea that, like, Rey has some memories, like, deleted from her brain. (laughs) And I, I mean, I called you last night and told you about this, but, like, Mm -hmm. I, I think the fact that Rey twice, you know, doesn't, is, like, okay, the first instance is when she's like Luke Skywalker and like the camera like does this really unnatural zoom <laughs> is and he's like I thought he was a myth and it's like a myth okay I mean now we have this canon book that's like a bunch of tales of Luke Skywalker that's coming out soon whatever mm-hmm. but then later when they see Han Solo and uh, Finn's like, oh, the the rebe- the fight the rebellion fighter, and she's like, no, the smuggler, and like doesn't know that whole half at all, and yet Finn, who was in the part of the first order, raised there his raised there his entire life, knows about that. Seems like everyone does, and then later when she's like looking at the map, and she's like, oh, the Jedi were real. Like, it's it's weird to me that she has all this knowledge, you know, she can speak all these different languages, and yet she thinks that of these things as myths. And it's like, what is going on in your brain that <laughs> makes you think that? Yeah. And it's like, was whatever was part of her brain that was, like, force deleted? I, I realize this is, like, a very jagged theory, but, <laughs> like, 
was it taken out of her brain so that Kylo, who can access people's minds, couldn't access it? Like, what's going on there? I, I just think that there's something there. <laughs> I am not a huge fan of the memory deletion theory. Uh, I think it's interesting. And I'd be interesting to see if she could get those memories back and how that would be translated on screen. That part I'm interested in. I don't, like, love the theory, though. But, you know, there are worse theories out there. I do think what you were talking about, though, with what Ray actually does or doesn't know is really interesting and, like, how these stories are being told across the galaxy, even with um, Finn, because it's kind of weird why the First Order would be teaching them about Han Solo. Yeah, it's weird. And, like, what they know. And the question I had was, I was like, does Rey know about Darth Vader? Like, just even in the the sense of, like, a historic figure. You know, has she heard stories about him? Mm-hmm. Like, what exactly is being told? What are the myths that people in the galaxy are growing up with now? You know? It's it's weird. Gosh. So, let's talk about Kylo. Okay. I love Kylo. I love we've talked about, Kylo. We've talked about Kylo a lot. So, like, and we're kind of, you know talking a lot about characters, so we'll kind of speed this up. But Kylo is such an interesting character, guys. Please care about Kylo. Please care. It's mm. it's okay if you don't care about Kylo, but, like, I, I want you to give Kylo a chance. Yeah. He, I mean, imme- like, the second we got out of The Force Awakens, I was like, that is the coolest character we've seen in Star Wars in a really long time. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, you've never had a character tempted by the light side who's, like, I, in the midst of this struggle. It's, oh, it's so cool. I know. And, like, every every time I watch it, I'm, like, struck by how basically everything is turned on its head in this movie. And, mm-hmm. like, the First Order, the evil bad guys really aren't, like, taking over the galaxy yet. They're, like, scrappy. And, like, Kylo, our villain, is being tempted by the light and not the dark. It's, like, everything is on its head. We <laughs> we have a girl as the central figure. Like, there, from every spectrum, everything that we know of Star Wars is kind of turned on its head. And Kylo especially. It's, I, I yeah. can never get over how complicated this character is. And, like, mm-hmm. even with the scene at the end when Han Solo dies... I, he's, people who read that as, like, Kylo was going to do that the entire time, and he didn't have any doubts. Like, I don't get that at all. I think that the moment that the the sun goes away and that, like, super on-the-nose line of, like, as long as we've got light, we still have a chance, like, that (laughs) really, well, it it really does kind of describe what's going on, right? Like, when we're in the light and, like, both characters are together, there is a chance that Kylo could go back with Han and be reunited with Leia. But, like, the moment that sun goes away, we see this change come across Kylo's face. And it's, like, Adam Driver's such a good actor that you can fully see that change. And, like, that that long scene where there's not that much dialogue and it's just so perfect. And it's just really, really, really descriptive of how complicated of a character he is. Yeah, that is... That's, like, everything about that scene is so cinematic like, mm-hmm. the lighting and the blocking, the special effects, the music. If you guys haven't listened to the soundtrack version of the, the uh, song that plays at that moment, it's called Torn Apart. Do yourself a favor. Go listen to it. It's great. Um, but, yeah, just, like, having 
I think I think Kylo knew he had to kill Han, but he was wavering so much yeah. throughout that whole scene. Like he knew that in order to like trample any light within him, he had to do this terrible, horrible thing. And I think he knew that once he did that, there would be no coming back. And I think we talked about this on our, um, I think it was our Anakin, when did Anakin turn to the dark side episode about how Kylo knew that if he did this thing, then his family would stop trying to rescue him. That like no one could ever love him now after he did this, that the temptation would be gone because no one would, would even want to redeem him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was a big part of it. And he talks about how he needs to be free of this pain. And for him, the pain is the light side. And maybe it's also the regret that maybe he shouldn't have ever gone with Snoke. And now he's in too deep. Oh, I completely think that. I mean, yeah. it's canon. He's, like, being controlled and used by Snoke. Even Han says it. He says, like, you know, he's just using you for your power. He's going to... And you know that. And Kylo does know it. You can see it on his face. He's like, yeah. oh, my God, you're right. But I'm so deep that the only thing I can do right now is kill you because if I don't then who knows what sort of pain is going to await me when I return to Snoke yeah and it's like I can't it's almost like he he has convinced himself that he could never be on the light side again even though he's tempted by it and so he just like he needs to he needs to squash this completely within him and because it's too painful to have that light side within him knowing that he can't ever be that person again or he's mm-hmm. convinced that he can't ever be that person again yeah Kylo it's crazy. you will it's crazy. be redeemed but I just I can't I can't wait to see yeah Lost Jedi and like get this next part of his story and see his struggle and his anguish yeah. I'm just like so excited what I love about that moment I mean not that I love that moment but <laughs> that sounds weird um but how you – there's just, like, this huge shift in Kylo's demeanor after he kills Han. Like, once we get to the forest, he is – he's crazed. Like, there's just – when you watch it, he – you know, he's pounding the wound. He's not really even listening to what um, Finn and Ray are saying to him. He's just, like, yelling out, traitor, and he's, like, hacking away. And, yeah, he does that earlier in the film, too, but – in those, like, moments when he's face-to-face with other people, he's, like, very controlled and very sinister. Like, in the interrogation room with both Poe and Ray, he's very sinister, very scary, very calm. You know, like, scary calm. But it's, like, after he did this thing, it's, like, just this rush of emotion after he mm-hmm. kills Han. And it's just flooding out when he's in the forest with Ray and Finn. Yeah. It's great. It's a great moment, I think. For, for everyone in that, that forest scene, every every single character involved has, like, an amazing moment. It's, like, yeah. a perfect scene. It really is. Yeah, it's really so. good. Oh, God. Anyway, I feel like we've talked a lot about characters. And, like, of course we can't cover everything in the character section. And we, we love talking about the characters, as you guys know. But I think we got to move on to the catch-all. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, we okay. get to touch on Han and Leia. I know. Or BB-8. <laughs> okay, well, we can do one sentence about BB-8. BB-8 is perfect. I love him. And the relationship of with Poe and BB-8. Agreed. All right. And three. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right. Look at this, huh, guy? You dead? Yeah. Why do you keep all your toys in boxes? How do you play with them? I don't. <laughs> I collect them. 
Does mom know you keep mac and cheese in here? Okay, this isn't for eating. I collect these too. So, toys you can't play with and mac and cheese you can't eat? This is a room of lies. Star Wars Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. You know you love it. So welcome to part three. Um, I'm sorry that we had to leave behind the characters, but here we are. We'll probably talk. We'll talk more about characters. I mean, you'll see them again in a couple weeks. So, um, so right now, I just kind of we already recapped how we felt about the machete order, but like, why don't we talk a little bit about the machete, the Sky Talkers machete order as a whole? Are we? Is this going to be like our default watching method? I guess until The Last Jedi comes out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for like the next month and a half, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love putting Phantom Menace at the front. I think it, I think it's really great. And I think it helps with the transition of Return of the Jedi to The Force Awakens. Um, it's still not a perfect transition between Jedi and Force Awakens. But I think with Phantom Menace at the front of this order, it helps. Totally. I completely agree. Yeah. I um I love having I just love it all. I mm-hmm. I really do. <laughs> and I mean, my favorite part is still putting the Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith as the flashback sequence. Yeah. I just think it it fits seamlessly. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it's really intriguing at the thought that maybe that could potentially change with new films. Yeah. Um and like where would I put Rogue One or Solo in <laughs> this <laughs> In in this viewing, I think just chronologically, I would. Um, I don't. I don't know if I'd ever add in anthology films into Machete. I, I think that I gets think really it, messy. I think those get their own watching order. Like I, I'm really intrigued by doing Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. Ro- Rogue One, and then A New Hope. I haven't done yeah. that yet, but yeah, I think that'd be great. A New Hope. I mean. Yeah, Rogue One to A New Hope is, like, the best ever. So. Yeah, I mean, that that's, like, the best transition we have in Star Wars <laughs> right now. But I don't know. Empire to Attack the Clones gives it a run for its money, I will say. Um, but, yeah, no, I have loved Machete Order. And I – if you guys have been enjoying hearing about this or have decided to watch Star Wars in the Sky Talkers Machete Order or even regular Machete Order – Please let us know. We'd love to know if you like it too, or if you don't like it. What order do you like to watch it in? Yeah, honestly, like if you watched it in our Sky Talkers machete order, um, we'd love to talk to you for like ten minutes on the show. If if you want it, you can email us at skytalkerspodcast at gmail dot com and mm-hmm. let us know if you're interested. Um, but I am so happy that we did this and this project and we're able to talk about our favorite films in this awesome order. This feels it was so great. weird. It's like a sign off. <laughs> it's not. We're not, we haven't even gotten to the Twitter questions I know, yet. I know. So. I know. Like, Sky Talker's machete order is over. <laughs> of course not the last time we're going to be talking about these movies though. Like, okay, come on. Don't be, don't be smart. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, please let us know, though, because um, I don't think a lot of people have actually, from, like, what I gather on Twitter, and I, I recognize that that's probably, a, like, a bit of a bubble that I'm in, uh, but not a lot of people watch Machete Order, and obviously we think it's great. We've been talking about it for the past three months, so <laughs> if you guys have tried it out, like Charlotte said, we really would love to talk to you. Yes. Okay, so why don't we move on to Twitter questions? Yes. Um, okay, so at Ro- Rule of Two Rob 
Um, thanks for the question. He asks, do you believe that Kylo fully understands how Vader's life ended as a redeemed good man? Like, as an example, do you think he fully, truly understands the difference between Vader and Anakin? This is a question Charlotte and I have talked about a lot. Um, and I don't know. I, my, I don't think so. Yeah, my go-to answer is no, that he doesn't, like, he doesn't know the end of the story. And I think that's because he didn't hear the story from Luke or Leia. He heard it from Snoke, and Snoke has given him an edited, redacted version. Completely. And that's, that's, and I don't, I don't think Snoke is, would ever tell him the truth about Anakin's redemption. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he knows, and I think it's going to be a subject of personal struggle, since Kylo so, to his core, resonates with his grandfather's story. Yeah. Um, and I think that in the future, if they don't kind of play at that, even with just one line or a little bit, I, 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 it's a missed opportunity because I can see that being a personal struggle for him. It really is. And I could see a situation where Snoke has been masquerading as the, like, I, I guess, like, force ghost of Vader and conversing with Kylo and making Kylo believe it's Vader when it's really been Snoke this whole time. Um, yeah. I've also had this crazy idea that, and like this is like the craziest theory, but <laughs> that Vader was actually never redeemed and that's like going to completely blow every, like that's going to be the big reveal is that Vader was never actually redeemed at the end of Return of the Jedi. Um, I think that's completely false and I don't believe that, but I'm like, can you imagine the shock factor if that happened? <laughs> that would be insane. Like, it, it would be like, would compl- what's the point of the prequels? <laughs> exactly. It would completely rock the whole, like, paradigm of Star Wars. But this this, this is where my head goes. I'm like, what would be so crazy? I know. Vader it's was like actually ha- never redeemed. Yeah. Yeah. This, like, thing that we've thought for the past 40 years never actually happened. Well, OMG. Okay. Uh, but like I said, I don't think that's happened. That will happen. It's just a fun thing to think about. Um, so our next question is from Shannon McCarter. And she said, Kylo's relationship with his parents. And do you think in that moment Han knew he was going to die on the catwalk? Um, I think he, ha- he, he took the risk. I think that mm-hmm. he knew it was a risk. I don't know if he knew he was going to die. I honestly, he looks surprised when that lightsaber ignites because I think he yeah, thought that he was like really close and he was super hopeful. Um, but I, I, I don't think he, I think he took the risk, but hoped that it wouldn't end up that way. Yeah, I think he was hopeful, but he knew it was a possibility. And uh, I think for a second he thought he had maybe gotten through to yeah. Kylo, which is just sad. <laughs> Okay, Emma Knight asks, what'd you think of the idea that this era's A New Hope comes from the instant bonds of friendship formed and how love is what will save the day? Could you argue that reunited the Skywalker twins is the ultimate drive of the last, the, the Force Awakens and The Last Jedi and how the galaxy will find peace again? I hope so. <laughs> I hope that once our twins are back together, everything is made right in the galaxy. <laughs> I, I think that, like, from a story perspective, everything was about getting to Luke, so I do think that mm. it is all about reuniting them, which gives me so much anxiety about <laughs> The Last Jedi. <laughs> but yeah. I, don't, I, I don't know if I agree. Like, Luke was the MacGuffin of the film, but... And what we did have of Leia was her worry about Luke and about Kylo, but I still think that those 
story beats function more as background and like B storylines at this point in the franchise in the sequel trilogy over like Kylo and Rey and Finn and their journeys. Um, that could be different in The Last Jedi, but I don't know. Because I, I it, like these films are supposed to be about passing on the baton. Like it's not Luke and Leia's story anymore. It's Rey and Finn and Kylo's story now. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that that, like how she phrased that question, the instant bonds of friendship and how love is what will save the day, redemption. Kylo yeah. and redemption. Love will save the day. Familial love, friendship love will save the day. And I, think, I, I completely yeah. agree. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Okay, so Christina at Ganuk J says, Ray, Kenobi or Skywalker? Kenobi. I don't know. Ray Kenobi. <laughs> this is every, we started this podcast, what, back in February, and literally our answers have not changed. It's just like an I don't know. It's really a huge I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> so. And again, I've said this a million times. I don't think they'll do Kenobi, but it's my it's my favorite theory, and I'll stick with it until proven wrong. Um, I think she'll be a nobody, though. Mm, I don't know. What, what's weird is I think JJ would make her a nobody. I don't know if I think Ryan Johnson would make her a nobody. And yeah. Ryan Johnson is the one who is now deciding that, presumably. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I go back and forth. Like my my answer is I go back and forth and I can see a lot of reasons for <clears throat> different ones. I I think in the script it was set out that she was supposed to be a solo. Like in the first third of the movie, I honestly think that she was supposed to be a solo. And then like certain things happen that like totally disprove that. I I've never loved the solo idea and I know a lot of people really like that and say that the way the film is edited points to her being a solo. But the thing that like struck me this viewing about her not being a solo is when she's captured by Kylo at Maz's castle and Han just watches them walk away. And I'm like, your son just captured your daughter who you hid away specifically to keep her safe from this guy and the First Order and you're just letting them walk away? Yeah. Like that I don't just know. Yeah, I just think there are parts in this film, in the script, that are left there from the part where they had, like, Rey slash Kira when they were casting, who was going to be a solo. Like, I really do think that they have yeah. kept some things like the Leia hug, um, her piloting skills, um, cer- just certain things I just think are very, like, oh, that was, like, just left in the script. I so, think so, too. I agree with you, but I don't know. I hope she's not a solo. Yeah, I don't it know. Just, it would be really weird watching The Force Awakens, watching some of those moments and being like, how did Han not say something? Or how – I don't know. I just wouldn't like it. Uh, okay. So our next uh, question is from at Grapefruit Train, which – great handle, by the way. Grapefruit uh, Rain. Rain. Yeah, sorry. Grapefruit Rain. Raining Grapefruit. Did this movie live up to your expectations, if you had any? Have your opinions of it changed since your first viewing? (laughs) Without going too deep. Yes, this movie lived up to my expectations and exceeded it as a whole because I was so happy with how the world received this movie. The months that after The Force Awakens was released were, like, so happy because I honestly felt like my Star Wars obsession was, like, totally validated and I like always look back on that 
that part of like <clears throat> all my friends who like weren't into Star Wars like suddenly being very interested and like going to me to talk about it and I was like this is everything I ever wanted and like I love that. So yes, it it lived up to my expectations and exceeded them. But my opinions have totally changed and you can look at this movie very critically now. <laughs> so agreed it's the the thing about the force awakens is the things i love about it i really love and the things that annoy me about it really annoy me um it it's very extreme (laughs) like the (laughs) thing that always gets me the most that is like i just like i don't understand how they could leave this in the movie is when c-3po and of course this would be about c-3po but and bb-8 like rolls up to r2 and and 3po is like Oh, BBA, it's highly unlikely that R2 has the map to Luke Skywalker in him. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> and then, wouldn't you know it, but R2 has the map to Luke Skywalker in him. <laughs> like, I'm like, that is, Star Wars doesn't need that. We don't need that kind of hand-holding or, oh, it just bothers me. It bothers me a lot, but... That, that's the weird thing about The Force Awakens is it is incomplete and unlike The Phantom Menace and A New Hope, it doesn't stand on its own. And I think Phantom Menace like kind of does stand on its own. Um, but Force Awakens does not at all and it leaves so much up in the air because of the fact that it's a new sequel trilogy and it's made under like Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy and the story group and not George Lucas. Yeah, but, totally. Yeah, it, it met my expectations. Like I said, the experience of seeing The Force Awakens, I don't think will ever be topped for me. And that in and of itself makes this film super important to me. Yeah. So Mike House of Rumor at Drum Jedi asks, do you think Laura Santeca was watching over Rey or knew of her existence? Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know why. But yes. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> next question. <laughs> Elvin Padawan asks, are the Knights of Ren actually Force-sensitive? Are they possibly other of Luke's apprentices that went with Kylo when he turned? Are they even still around at the time of The Force Awakens? Um, I think that they were past apprentices as well, like <laughs> a group of, like, naughty... <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Uh, Little Jedi in training who, like, joined up with Kylo, but I honestly think Kylo would have killed them. (laughs) Um, And it's just, like, the way that I think – I don't think they're around anymore. I think that maybe – Snoke still calls him the Masters of the Night of Red. Okay, true. But, like, is he a master because he, like, killed them all? Like, did he master them? Like, Hunger Games style, he won. Yeah, exactly. I just think that, like, there's a possibility that they're all dead because Kylo killed them. I think there is, too. I'll be honest, I – don't really care about Knights of Ren. <laughs> if that was a plot point that got dropped, I don't think I'd be super mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> Same. I, I, I would I would be totally fine with, like, just, like, a little short story that, like, kind of explained that that was released in, like, Star Wars Insider or something. <laughs> Star Wars Insider. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I think... I think if they are picked up again, I think there's still alive Uh, well i don't know i think no i think you're right i think they're probably dead um but like snoke i really don't spend a lot of time thinking about the knights of bread even less so than snoke (laughs) (laughs) oh which sorry it's a good question though um i think that's definitely interesting when we get into 
actually, we'll probably learn a lot about that when it comes to Luke and what actually happened with yeah. the Jedi and his academy. So I think that will probably crop up and it'll probably be really interesting. I just don't know what'll happen and I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> um, okay, so, and our last question is from at Stitchy Arts. What's next for the Resistance and the First Order? They both seem on the brink of infighting, especially over how to deal with the volatile Kylo Ren. This is a good question. Yeah, okay. So from what we saw in Bloodline... It was clear that the resistance was also kind of, you know, all their ships were being funded by the New Republic. And obviously now the center of the New Republic, Hosdian Prime, is gone. So obviously I think the resistance leaders are in for a shock of resources. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that they're going to run into some ideological trouble. Um, I think the First Order obviously... The Starkiller base is, like, completely destroyed now, um, but that probably isn't... And we've seen this in the trailer, like, the AT-M6s. Like, that's not the only... The Starkiller base isn't the only resource that they had. I think the AT-M6s obviously are, like, huge and giant, and they've poured a lot of their money into weapons and are doing a lot of weapons creation. Like, that first shot in the trailer where Kylo's looking over the factory. Um, I think that they're both kind of in a similar position because they're both kind of trying to build up as much resources as they possibly can. And um, there's bound to be struggle. Yeah. It's like they're almost both regrouping. After yeah. They're, the they're very similar. Seasons. Very uh, similar. I wonder if that's where Emmelyn Haldo comes into all of this. Like, like she's got money or something or access yeah. to certain weaponry. And Leia's like, I know someone who can help us. Yeah, like, I definitely think that she, that's exactly where she comes in. Yeah. Um, where she is super resourceful and has connections because you know that she does. Yeah. Um, and that's, like, and she helps Leia somehow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I think they're both regrouping. And that I, I like the last question, the last part of this question about how they're going to deal with Kylo Ren. Because obviously they both have a lot of stakes in this guy. I mean, you've got Leia, who obviously cares about Kylo, and then you have Snoke, who is using Kylo for his own gain. And so it's like he's he's kind of safe from death at this point because of his connections to both of these people, but he is a problem for both of these groups. Totally. Um, I I'm just so intrigued by the idea that Leia might not have told other people that Kylo Ren is her son or because I I think that everyone knows that Ben is Leia's son obviously just from like history and past and it's just really intriguing the idea that like no one might know that Ben is Kylo or like where do they think Kylo is do people or Ben do they think that Ben is still like with Luke on the island like who knows that Ben died in yeah whatever happened because is, I mean, that, what, blood, is yeah. that what leia told everyone that like i don't know it'd be so interesting based on the events of bloodline to see how bad that turned out for her to have kept the secret of vader if she'd made that choice again completely um and not even that i mean it's been a while since i read bloodline but i need to reread it i want to reread yeah. it before the, yeah. the the last jedi that's like on my list yeah, but we've talked about if Poe knows Kylo and or knows Ben. And I think he definitely knows Ben. 
Um, and I wonder if he's one of the few, like, let's assume that Leia has kept it a secret that Ben became Kylo Ren. Um, I think Poe could be one of the few people that actually knows. And that's why he's almost, you know, he takes some, some shots at Kylo verbally in yeah. those first couple of minutes. But still, like, respects Leia enough not to say anything in front of all those people. Yeah, because Poe would totally be that kind of person who would. Yeah. Whereas, like, Lorsen Tekken totally. and, and is, like, look, like, something far worse has happened to you. Like, he knows who Ben is. Mm-hmm. Nothing but respect for Leia Organa. Yeah. <laughs> I hope we do get to see a lot more of Lor Santeca because he, like, for only having, like, four minutes of screen time, he put a lot of questions out there. That's the kind of intrigue I like in my Star Wars. <laughs> Me too. And obviously it's Ma- Max von Sydow, like, an amazing actor. Like, they got, they really brought out the big guns for this part that was killed off in the first five minutes. <laughs> so it's like, why did they do that? Obviously this character had weight. Like, what, what do you tell... Max von Sydow besides like oh you're gonna be in a Star Wars movie like there has to be more than that he has to call Gwendolyn Christie (laughs) Gwendolyn Christie was like just wanted to be in a Star Wars movie though I'm just saying like it's like the same thing you have these huge actors who come into these roles whereas like personally at this moment and you guys know I'm not a huge Phasma fan just because I didn't like the hype around her character when I knew that she was going to be a Boba Fett and not really do a whole lot. And I was like, I'm not going to get my hopes up for this character that isn't going to be a character. And at this moment, I wish we had like that same kind of content focus on Lor Santeca that we now have on Phasma. Yeah. You know, and maybe maybe he's going to be a big we player will. in we will. Last Jedi and I just don't know it yet. But we will. I think we'll, when we find out more about Luke's story and Luke's backstory, they open so many doors about different stories that can be told. Yeah. I mean, what if Rey is like actually Loris Teca's granddaughter or something and like her family has been there all along but hasn't been able to be with her? That would be crazy. That'd be crazy. That'd be really sad. It'd be pretty tragic. So it's right up Star Wars' alley. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all those awesome questions. Um, we we got a lot, but I think that we answered some of the ones that we didn't get to in this, like, grander discussion. So, yeah. And, um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for sending them in. They You guys ask such great questions. They're, they're really good. And they make us yeah, think we're about... Al- yeah. We're always like, oh, my God, such good questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like, really, like, ones that we're excited to talk about, we'll send each other before we start the show. And we're like, did you see this question? Did you see what they asked? I don't know what I'm going to say. This is a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. But thank you so much. Like, thanks for sticking with the Sky Talkers Machete series. I can't believe we're at the end. Um, but the next, like... We're only one and a half months away from The Last Jedi. Like, I can't even believe it. I Have you to watch that trailer again? <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly what I'm doing after I turn this mic off. <laughs> so, <laughs> but thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter at SkyTalkersPod, on our website at uh, SkyTalkers.com, and on Instagram at SkyTalkersPodcast. We'd love if you could give us a follow or let us know what you think. Um, and thank you so much to those who have left us a review on iTunes. It really 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 helps us so if you have time we'd love it if you go and give us a great review um i also want to thank our awesome patrons um we keep getting more so thank you so much like it shocks me every single day and i i love it thank you so much for supporting our show it helps us so much right caitlin yeah absolutely it it means the world to us the fact that you guys 
like what we're doing enough to want to support the show, it it's unbelievable. So just thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We It makes our day and it makes us so excited to keep doing this. And yeah, it's, it's really great. And I still can't believe that that is a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So thank you so much to Chuck, Brandon, Kyle, Cherie, Aaron, Amy, Emma, Dean, Ryan, BJ, Suara, Jim, and Neil. Thank you so much. Seriously, thank you. Yes. And if you guys don't know, on Patreon, we put up monthly bonus episodes of Sky Talkers. For the $5 tier. Yeah, for our $5 tier. And um, even some bonus bonus episodes when we are late on our regular bonus (laughs) episodes, uh, which they're pretty fun. Like last month, we read an old fan fiction that Charlotte and I wrote in middle school. So... I know you want to hear that. (laughs) Um, uh, But this month on our bonus episode for Patreon, we're actually going to be talking about entry points into Star Wars fandom and what that looks like across generations. So if you guys are interested in hearing us talk about that, you can head on over to our Patreon and see what's going on. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much, guys, for listening, and may the Force be with you. May the Force be with you. (laughs) 